0: for the greater good of the people in the park. I'm someone who needs a lot of alone time. Perhaps this is a direct consequence of being an only child. I need space, to think deeply, to let the constant noise of my mind calm down enough to actually be able to hear myself. I need quiet to restore my emotional equilibrium, to process and to ponder, to wonder and to wander. In many ways, This fact makes me relatively well-equipped for some of the conditions that have been a consequence of the pandemic. I'm not immediately alarmed when I'm alone. I'm mostly good at keeping myself occupied. I don't experience solitude as a synonym for loneliness. My penchant for significant time alone is balanced with a delight for being in company, like the scales representing the Librant placements that dominate my birth chart. Alongside my need for time to be myself, I am also, by an introvert's metric, exhaustingly social, A montage of my life would intercut scenes of me, a man about town, walking at a gay, fast, extremely caffeinated pace, to coffee or lunch or dinner or drinks or a show with friends. I am divided equally, yin-yang-like, part introvert, part extrovert, needing one as much as the other, happiest when they are balanced, in harmony. The most difficult part of this year for me has not been the abundance of yin. In many ways it's been a blessing, but the extreme lacking of yang, As a social butterfly, I have missed and deeply felt the effects of not being able to be with people. Back in summer, the brief interim where we could socialise a bit more, albeit distantly, at a friend's birthday picnic, I was absolutely rattling with the excitement of being around friends again, drunkenly delirious on banter. The enforced restriction from one of my most prized parts of life made its return overwhelming. I proceeded to drink with reckless abandon, like a teenager who has yet to discover the multitude of ways a hangover can make your life hell. I took it the Oxford English definition of too far. The next day, feeling more acutely alone than ever, with sunburnt knees and a headache that was unafraid to remind me I'm not 18 anymore, I realised how much I was affected by this lack of social contact, how out of balance my needs were. Still, my comfort with being by myself made some parts of the new normal easier to cope with. As a creative person, I have coped or found pleasure within the lack of structure by pouring myself into my own project, partly because I never have enough time to work on the things that I'd like to, partly because I needed something to focus on. This is not a productivity flex, it's just been a luxury to work at my own pace, to have time to dream and plan and also rest, as well as work when I feel able to. For a break, I often take a long walk in Battersea Park, about 15 minutes away from the flat I live in, It's truly beautiful and this year I've been more grateful for its presence than ever. It's also a curious reminder of the way things work out. I wrote previously about how I stumbled upon this park for the first time a few years ago and now it's a near daily part of my life. Something that absolutely wouldn't be the case had things not turned out as they have this year. In those glorious weeks where the leaves turned golden and started to fall, the sky was still blue and the sun still bright but a chill crept into the air. It was utterly beguiling. I was rudely taken out of this reflective headspace when I, with a jolt, realised just how many obscenely attractive people had run past me in a matter of minutes. Some of us are out here trying to have a relaxing, peaceful walk on a Sunday morning. And then there's this plethora of people who are ridiculously hot. Not only that, but hot whilst exercising. Offensive, ultimately. Who gave them the right? I couldn't help but think. Someone okay, maybe me, should be regulating how many hot people are allowed to run in a park at once. Cut to me, chatting with the certified hotties, explaining calmly that I need them to be patient, to wait their turn, it's for the greater good of the people in the park, etc. They are suspicious of the new system, hot people are rarely ever inconvenienced in such ways, but they find me, my cheeky smile and my Glaswegian lilt disarming. Last week, while on a long walk, I was listening to a voice note from one of my friends, one of those long ones that can make you feel like they're walking along beside you, so long that I've jokingly started calling them podcasts. Her voice was gentle and soothing, saying something I needed to hear. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'm always struck when I hear a dear friend say words like these to me, ones I confidently say to others and mean them. Every time a friend gives me a piece of advice that I often give everyone else, I can tell their mouth is smiling or their voice has a certain knowing lilt implying they're aware how often I impart this wisdom and how rarely I manage to apply it in my own life. In those moments, I feel so seen, heard and loved. Sometimes it makes me laugh aloud because it's so obvious, a cliche I know to be true and yet still constantly need reminding of, that giving advice and taking that same advice are two separate things. The distance between the two can be vast. I was reminded of how a friend's love can bridge the gap how a friend will help you build that same bridge again and again if you need it. A part of friendship is a commitment to helping eradicate the space between what they rationally know to be true and what their inner monologue is telling them, the latter almost always being more cynical, critical, pessimistic. I think about how much love is contained within moments like these, trying to encourage a friend to take their own advice, to urge them to believe in themselves like you do in them. For me, I've been needing that a lot lately. Not easy to admit, but here I am admitting it. Now that's what I call growth. I'm trying a lot of things that have taken me out of my comfort zone and my self-doubt has at times been overwhelming. I've been grateful beyond belief for the quiet care my friends have offered me this year. From all over the world, friends have soothed me and talked me down and encouraged me to keep going. They have made me feel held from a distance, a confusing contradiction that amazes and delights me. Ideally, this is all done in person, When you can see into someone's eyes, soothed by the connection that we're hardwired for, safe enough to be reminded of your shortcomings in the company of someone who loves you enough to call you out when you're not practising what you preach. In a year where that has seldom been possible, i found a new appreciation for the ways we are still able to reach our loved ones, digitally showing them care and tenderness. The rambling voice notes, the long phone calls, the text messages that other times fill me with a luddite adjacent notification anxiety, They've taken on a new texture and weight this year, as they're helping us still feel connected while we're apart. They are imperfect solutions, of course. Ultimately, they will always come up short against being side by side. Although, as a temporary fix, I'm grateful for what they make possible until we can be together again.